Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to the Film Board. On this episode, we are talking about the new animated film from Sony Pictures Animation about a family coming together to save the world from a new app gone wrong. It's Michael Rianda's The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Let it begin. The last humans must be here somewhere. Wait. They're coming. 
Is that a burnt orange 1993 station wagon? Or is it? Ah! Who are these unstoppable warriors? We're the Mitchells, the only people who can save the world. I'm super sorry, everyone. Let me introduce myself. I'm Katie. I'm sort of a weirdo. My parents haven't figured me out yet. To be fair, it took me a while to figure myself out. My brother, also weird. Hi, would you like to talk to me about dinosaurs? No. Okay, thank you. And my mom. Katie Face Cupcakes. Ah! All of us, really. How about we put our phones down and we can make 10 seconds of unobstructed family eye contact. Starting now. See, this is good right here. This is natural. Every family has its challenges. We haven't had a good family picture in years because you two are always arguing. For my family, our greatest challenge... Probably the robot apocalypse. My name is Andy Nelson, host of The Next Reel, and today I'm chatting with three hosts from various Next Reel properties to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Mandy Kaplan. Hello. Pete Wright. Still crying. Still crying. (laughs) And Steve Sarmento. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) You're not crying. I'm crying. There's so much crying. (laughs) Well, on the wall in Pixar, where the animators are working, there are big words on the wall saying, make me care. Did this movie make you care? Mandy. About everything and everyone. Oh, Particularly pugs with googly eyes. <laughs> I, in general, loved and respected every frame of this movie. Nice. All right. Uh, Pete, what about you? Uh, except for the pugs, because the things kept landing on its eyeball, and that drove me bananas. Like, stand up and itch <laughs> everywhere. There's a, a thing fly for you? on his eyeball. I can't handle the eyeballs uh, Thing, bit, Things on eyeballs. I just so uh, didn't needles. bother Manchi. Manchi was brain dead in a vegetative state most of the movie. Uh, I love everything about it. The anthropomorphized technology bit. The, uh, you know, mostly I watch this movie with my 18 year old daughter who has been uh, in college from here. And we're now planning again to do the road trip uh, to drop her off at college next year and her little brother. And I could not, like, it was just me watching the movie and then looking over at them and then watching the movie. And then looking over at the kids and just it was awful. It was awful and beautiful. And uh, I can't wait to watch it again already. Yeah, I hear you there. Steve, what about you? So the question is, did the movie make me care? I didn't know how much this movie cared about me. There was so much in here that just we were looking at each other like, how did they know they made this for us? There were so many things that were either specific to our family that we could really relate to. And I at one point we had paused it. To, to wipe our tears away. And we sa- I said, I don't remember kids' movies making my parents cry like this before. Maybe as a kid I was oblivious to it, but this movie just went for the heart in so many ways and in a way that it felt like it was being respectful to its audience in a way. I think oftentimes in a kids' movie you can play the parents as bumbling adults, but these were all truly you know well-rounded human characters, people that... I know intimately, very closely, because that's us up there in the screen. And it just showed me how much they cared to to tackle the subject matter, to take both sides of an argument and and really press into it in the emotional core of it. 
Yeah, I, I'm right there with all of you and this film. It was it was such a uh, just an emotional ride. It was great. I totally connected. I really like <laughs> I knew I wanted to watch this. I'd heard good things. I pretty much forced my family to watch it with me this morning. All of them were like, do we have to? We just did family movie night last night. Why do we have to watch another movie? And at the end of the movie, you know, the movie was just so touching. Like both of our kids came over, gave us hugs. And afterward, my daughter, who, you know, she's a moody teenager and and often is like wanting to do her own things she asked me to play just dance with her for a couple hours and so we totally grooved out and, and jammed and it was like i was like oh if this is working did you do bangerang we, we didn't do bangerang that's my favorite i tell you we did a wide variety of songs and yeah. let me just tell you that is quite the workout i'm feeling a dance off later andy I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to bring it, it. Definitely. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's a fantastic film. So let's get into it and start talking about it. Uh, Michael, Michael Rianda, interestingly, said the story came about Sony, you know, they had that whole hack and everything. And they were really kind of trying to figure out what are we going to do with our animated division? And they uh, ended up kind of bringing on new blood, basically. And they talked to Michael Rianda and said, what, what ideas do you have? And he didn't have anything, but he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got tons of stuff. And totally started coming <laughs> up with this like very quickly. And and I, I think that it worked. And I just I'm amazed that they found this uh, this story. And I think that it's hitting on so many interesting points. You know, we have family dysfunction and this this struggle in your own family dynamic to get your family to be that ideal of what you're always picturing you want it to be. And then, of course, comparing yourself to other families on social media, not to mention the whole idea of social media and all these tech companies and how tech is kind of taking over our lives. Where I mean, let's talk about all that, because I think there's a lot to unpack in all of these elements that are coming together in this story. I just want to say phones, technology at the table is a real trigger for me. It really bothers me. And my husband, God love him, will often have his phone like right out, not on silent. And every text or everything, he immediately has to answer it and look at it and go to it. And I just feel like if the family is together, you know it's not an emergency amongst us. So put it away for 20 minutes while we eat our lunch. You know, it's I and this this film when the dad says, you know, 10 seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. <laughs> I felt his pain yeah. to walk into a room and see everybody on a screen with the blue light. Oh, I felt his pain. And I'm guilty of it, too. The longest 10 seconds in the movie, too. I mean, it was amazing what they were able to do with that. I, I just I, I totally appreciate that point. And uh, it, it makes me think about just the design, the architecture of the story itself. And back to something you opened with, Andy, that Rianda said, you know, it was that this was a thing that just sort of came up uh, for him. It wasn't a story that had been um, really just sort of. Uh, sitting and aging and like becoming something in his head, like like the true artiste has been. I've been trying to tell this story for twenty five years, and uh, it, but it feels like it. It feels like it's been aged in a fine oak, and I think that is a magical part of the family angle because even though we didn't have all the technology, this movie felt every bit like my family when I was a kid with my parents as it does to me with as a parent with my kids. And that, I think, is something that make this, makes this movie really special, that it doesn't anchor 
on the technology stuff that it just augments the heart of the film and allows us to have all the the great sort of cultural tech cultural humor uh but but you don't need it 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 already it it already has a a beating heart of its own the story is just fantastic yeah i think what's interesting to me about it that this is such a new story there was a freshness to it that there's been always every generation has its technology you know, I think for our, you know, we were the generation raised by the television, you know, now it's, you know, social media, all that. But what was very interesting to me was that it really got into something that I think is relatively new, which is memes and the vocabulary of memes and how that was integrated into Katie's telling of the story is that's how teens communicate. It's not just, you know, YOLO and lols and all of that. There's a whole new vocabulary out there because their communication is becoming increasingly visual. It's not just text. It's now TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram. And so it's visual forms of communication. And that fed so well into this story about a young filmmaker who her experience of the world is through her phone. And it's the the way she filters things. It's the way she constructs her reality. It is all of those things. And the visual dynamics of this film were so fresh and exciting to, to layer in 3D animation, 2D animation, video photography, all of these things that just represented, I think, the the visual vocabulary that teenagers have and how they communicate. And for me, that was what one of the I guess, sources of energy in this movie. It wasn't just, oh, a typical... 2D or 3D animated, you know, here's a movie that we could have just shot with ordinary people. Anyway, there's so much that uses the computer animation and animation styles to tell the story as well. And I think the content of the story fits so well with that structure. Well, that's something I really liked about just the way that it unfolds, because, I mean, yes, at at the core of it, you know, we've got the family dynamic with the Mitchells and then we have the machines, which is kind of the tech company dynamic, making this new upgraded version of your phone with arms and legs that can walk around. And and eventually, of course, they try to take over. But in the middle of that, you have, as you're saying, Steve, this this film student who she's a she's a pro at her technology. We constantly see her making these little films and she's doing all sorts of really creative things and making great art and she gets into film school with it and she's she's using technology to its greatest effect and that's what I loved about it is like you're seeing that evolution of technology uh, from kind of different angles and how positive it can be but then also as it turns out how negative it can be and I love that they're exploring that. I feel like the film argues it from both sides. We see the dad's perspective that like throw the, f- the phones away. And we see Katie's perspective of like, this is, she says at the very end, like, this is how I see the world, how I experience the world. And it's positive and it's good. And it's, I don't know that, you know, this movie is such an allegory and I, and, but yet with an unclear stance, like we need these things and these things have such a positive effect in our lives. Well, I think it goes to the point of social media and how, yes, the family at the table, that is not a good use of technology when it isolates us from each other. Whereas Katie's filmmaking and her use of technology, she finds her people at college. It's 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 her identity. It's a way to communicate. And I think that's sort of the the split between this of when we use technology to create barriers between ourselves and each other. That's when it becomes dangerous, as we see, you know, later on, everybody gets put in their little entertainment pods. And that's, you know, I think that type of engagement with technology to an extreme of I don't need the rest of the world. I'm just here with my Wi-Fi and my screen and that's all I need versus Katie is really about reaching out and trying to find it. I think that's 
for me, the, the best takeaway about this, that it's not saying, oh, technology is bad. It's let's look at how we use technology and look, let's find the positives in that. And let's be cautious about the negatives. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot more about social media and the, the companies and a lot of the, the commentary that is around those as well. But in terms of family dynamics, technology is great when it allows us to have better ways to communicate with each other. And also, there's a whole thing about when you are part of a family and you have a child who is really into doing something with this technology. And this was a great learning, like our character arc for dad is seeing him learn that, you know what, I I need to understand this technology. I can't always come to my children with with my what I like and what I want them to like and force that on them. I also have to kind of meet them halfway. And if they're really into this stuff, I need to kind of start figuring that stuff out so I too can meet them there and and enjoy what they're doing. And I loved seeing that journey for dad as he goes through this and how funny it was at the end when he's <laughs> crying in the corner <laughs> trying to get himself set up on a, on a YouTube account. And, so. and sent the invitation to the subscription invitation <laughs> yes. by mail was an yes. incredible touch. That was fantastic at the end you know they're all in the the pods the entertainment pods and and there's just so much action in that final act that i i kept thinking you know maybe they haven't stopped to think uh just how great those entertainment pods are like part of me is like i could i could take the tech pod i'd take that shoot me into space it's fine give me give me a chance to rest (laughs) i I loved their advertisement your journey will last forever (laughs) conan's vo until you leave until until you arrive at your deep heart black black (laughs) space No, it, I mean, it, it, it was really fun. And I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, as you were saying, Pete, kind of the using technology and anthropomorphizing it in a way where, you know, we had these robots that were, I mean, they had a lot of personality, especially the two that we end up spending quite a bit of time with, uh, Eric and Deborah. The, the, Deborah bot 5000. The, the two broken robots. Uh, so we were, but I loved how we kind of get this personality. And, and even from Pal, the, just the face and, and the, the fits that, uh, she throws, you know, as Olivia Coleman doing such a great job. Uh, I loved it when she's having her, she, she lay, they lay her down on the table and she just vibrates a fit and she's just like <laughs> flipping over and over like a dead fish. But I, but I thought but that she was requests really, it. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. Requests it, right. You know, please lay me down on the table so I can flip around. Yeah, yeah. And I loved it. There, that's an interesting thing too, that, that the, you know, they, they could have, Made and I, I was worried that they were going this direction when uh, Mark, the tech CEO of Pal, goes out for his big speech. Um, I, I was worried that he was going to become the maniacal genius, right? The villain, and they didn't make him the villain. They made him the guy who's super smart and didn't think through the implications of all the decisions that he made. But the technology whose name is Mark, whose name is Mark and he's standing at the uh, on the theater, the Steve Jobs theater stage, uh, and they. It, it, but they didn't make him the villain. They they let technology run amok and make that the villainous character. And I really appreciated that because I think there's just so much meat there. There's so much more to mine when you don't have just a bad guy, the simplest, easiest out. I, I think they they took the the more sophisticated route. Which, I mean, that's definitely a lot of work trying to kind of craft the story that way. But I, I, I also really appreciated that he wasn't 
the bad guy. And, you know, I, I thought that there was an interesting element that he is clueless. And in the end, he's just sitting in his own little pod, completely just, you know, kind of resigned and being entertained by, as it turns out, Katie's videos, which was very funny. And so I, I liked that about uh, about him. Now, now, Pete, obviously, you're a big Apple guy and you love all this sort of stuff. I mean, did did anything with the uh, the campus that we have here remind you of anything in particular the fly through i think was was really great because this is you know since since covid apple has done all of their all these tech companies have done all of their their big you know events virtually and and apple in particular has put a lot of money into production and have created this like best in class uh virtual event and the cameras the the drone cameras the things that they do to fly across their big new campus into the open doors down the stairs into the into the the theater, uh, they used a shot that was, I mean, directly ripped from flying into the Steve Jobs Theater <laughs> on Apple's campus. And uh, I, I got a great chuckle out of that. There are a number of just pitch perfect tech nods for, for those who follow this stuff, particularly around privacy um, and, and the technology and the devices we use. And uh, I think they just handled it perfectly. Nothing was too on the nose until we get to his, uh, who, whoever thought that selling personal data for, you know, for business would, would be a bad thing or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact line, but it was just, it was just great. It was, it was a well-written line yeah. and he delivered it so fast and and it was such it was like the point of the whole movie and i it got me yeah that that wink and nod just yeah. i i liked the way they handled that yeah. well and also the ubiquity of everything of technology and smart tech getting everywhere to when they're in the mall being attacked by all the the pal you know connected devices so they go to the sporting goods store and, and dad picks up a tennis racket and it's a smart tennis racket and it's got a computer chip in it it's like why would you need that and it's a, a question worth asking do do this technology just start to breed into everything and we never stop to ask why why do you need a smart tennis racket to, to help you with your game it seems ridiculous or refrigerator yes. oh god the carnage <laughs> setting on the washing machine um, yes they, and, and that is another great scene because I I I think it's important to note that, you know, none of the tech company companies were saved in this thing. Everyone was savage. That mall scene was pointed at you, Jeff Bezos. Like this yes. was that was exactly the Alexa uh, issue. Everything has Alexa in it now. And and that is. Um, and, and so, I mean, they were just they were equally universally savaged in this movie. And I think the best way. I was a little perplexed that Furbies apparently are connected to, yeah. <laughs> to the PAL network. And I, because I, it's like, I mean, it's very funny seeing them being attacked by Furbies, especially when they have their own language that we get to <laughs> see with subtitles here. But it was like, are Furbies still a thing? I, I don't know. Maybe yes. I'm just disconnected. They, they but... came back around a while ago because when my, well, okay, so that was a while ago when my kids were younger, we got them a Furby. It was like the second generation or second time around with these things. And, we had a debate and discussion because we can't remember for sure. Now, Emma will say that Hannah is the one that wanted to make it evil. We, we thought it was Emma, but we do remember one of the children wanted to, like, be mean to the Furby to see, can we make this thing turn evil? And oh, now wow. we know, yes, that can happen. But it was a little, I think it was a little scarring for, for Emma as we watched this of like, oh, not Furby again, just because the thing would go off in the middle of the night. He would wake up and start talking that Furby language in the closet at the middle of the night. And so for like a five-year-old, that's kind of spooky Creepy. when that happens. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's something very strange about that <laughs> but, that uh, is is a little discomforting, but yeah. 
but I mean, it's it's one of those jokes. And I, Furbies, I mean, they've been around. We we knew about them when we were younger, and now our kids know about them. And it's just one of those things. And that's what I loved about this is they find ways to bring jokes in for everybody. I mean, and Dad at the end when when they're approaching Silicon Valley and seeing the giant thing that the tech has created, he's like, "It's like a Journey album cover." And like that, <laughs> yes. that was a fantastic <laughs> joke that like my kids would never get, but I was cracking up out loud at that. And so I loved that they had all of these things that everyone like the the meme with the howler monkey yes. that popped up a couple times. Like that yeah. was used to great effect. It's a gibbon. Yes, it's a gibbon. Thank you. It's a gibbon. Yes, but it, it, so it, you have that. <laughs> but then it, I mean the the one that completely caught me off guard because it goes even further back is his dad's face is a transition shot the old batman where the fate you know the batman logo would come up to the screen he'd have that whirling music and they did the exact same thing yes and they did that very quickly with dad's face just in the bat and that that transition music it was perfect because it's just this movie brings things that are so familiar out of nowhere, but it, it is the perfect thing at the perfect time that you need in this movie. And it, the fact that it, it isn't stuck in one generation, you go from things from the 60s to YouTube videos from from this year, all within one movie, makes this that perfect like family four-quadrant movie that everybody's going to find something that they're going to connect with and appreciate and laugh at. And not only the references, which I thought were all spot on, which is very reminiscent of Lego movie. And I mean, they're good at this, but some of the jokes that they used, I have said in my life, like, I'm, can we retire that joke? I've seen that joke a million times. And yet they did them in a fresh way. They used a lot of the things that are very familiar and, and twisted them up and made me laugh out loud. Can you think of a specific one? Andy, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I can. Um, They were like, okay, Mitchell family on three. Right. And and we've all heard the joke. Wait, are we doing it on three or is it, oh, do we do one, two, three, then we do it and hands in and wait, are we, we've all seen that. And they made it this messy, funny joke. They handled it really well. I can't explain exactly how, but they couldn't even get their hands in the center. Oh, I've totally got you. And I know why, because I had that exact thought, Mandy. It's because the dad kept counting. If you watch that joke, he never stops. Mitchell's on three, three, two, one and they're having the argument about are we doing it on three and he's still counting and that is what made it mind-blowingly funny i've never heard it that way it was perfect right i mean for me it's a it's a trigger when someone says on three i'm like well i know what's coming next yeah and i was pleasantly surprised and then he gets to one and they still screw it up (laughs) yes (laughs) it was so good i love that you brought that up and then they just kind of awkwardly walk away yes And, you know, I I mean, I want to just I want to also explore a little more of this whole point of that we get in this film, the whole idea of comparing yourself to each other and what social media does, because mom is always comparing herself to the neighbors, the perfect neighbors, the posies who, you know, they're just the perfect family on a perfect vacation. Every picture is always like their models. And uh, and of course, they perfect, you know voice casting for Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. <laughs> Beyond perfect. I'm like, are you kidding? That's, I know they're already Amazing. perfect. Seriously. It's just great. But, but you have this idea of being better. And I mean, Black Mirror explored this fantastically in one of their episodes in season three. And here we have it kind of done here as well. And the idea of trying to be better 
when really you just need to be yourself and just capture those moments. And that was another really nice thing to see pointed out here and that mom didn't have to be you know, as good as the posies. And that, again, a great comedy line there at the end when she's like, oh, you weren't already following me? (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Just, you know, but I just, but, you know, I think that that's a great thing that we're seeing here is, is in addition to kind of like tech and how it's, you know, taking over our lives and all this sort of stuff, but this idea of comparing yourselves to others. And I think that was a really great thing, especially explored through this particular family. I mean, the thing is with each of the family members, they have their their own little arc. And that's that's the piece that is really so well balanced throughout the story is it's not just about Katie and the dad and that conflict needing to get resolved. You see, there's there's little arcs with even the brother and his whole dinosaur thing. And what, you know, being at that age of where girls start to be interesting and you get your little dinosaur wiggly guys that you, you know, play with, uh, you know, that that transformation for him and and mom as well of sort of coming into her own power there to save her family. Don't mess with the mama bear. All of that. Um Everything was handled so well, and there was just enough just enough of it to keep the plot going on, to keep us engaged and see where each of these characters are. I mean, the, the conversation that Katie and mom have in the car when dad's asleep, snoring in the back, just this really frank, honest conversation of a mom sharing with her daughter about what, you know, this is what she has to put up with every night and give, giving Katie sort of that peek behind the curtain of this is what adulting is sort of like. This is who your parents really are as real people. You don't see that. Very often, particularly in a comedy, because everybody's a, a flat stereotype that's a caricature of something. And here we've got characters with dimension to them that that grow and change. And to me, that's that gives the opportunity to to bring out the tears because you're hitting those emotional notes. I mean, we we started this movie. We were 14 minutes in and we had to pause because already the tears had started. We're like, wait a second. We wanted light comedy from, from Netflix and Sony. What is going on? This isn't Pixar. We're not supposed, this isn't up. We're not supposed to be crying 10 minutes in, but it did that. And it did it so well that it just clued us in that this was going to be a truly unique film that was accomplishing things just in story. And then when you layer all the other technical pieces to it, we just thought this came out of nowhere. I just completely forgotten about this. I, I think it was a trailer rewind or a, a trailer pick from Andy. You said it was called connected back, right, back yeah, in the day. Back I think somebody original, picked yeah. it as a trailer pick back. I don't know, a year or so ago with, with that. Cause I remember, cause I remember seeing this. And then when it came out, I was like, this title doesn't seem familiar. Maybe I'm confusing it with something else, but this is just like the, the bright spot of early 2021 for me, this, this film, the whole idea of the family and each person kind of getting their own, journey. I think that's an important thing to do. And it's really hard to do in a project because generally you have like the protagonist, typical storytelling, like the protagonist would have their journey, the character's journey, and they're going on their arc over the course of the story. And the other characters are around them and in one way or another kind of influencing that journey. I think the more uh, characters you have who are on their own journey over the course of the film, the trickier it can become in telling that story. And they did it really marvelously here. I mean, we have Katie and her dad, who are both kind of going on this journey themselves, you know, she's wanting to get away from her family because she wants to find her own people. Dad is trying to keep the family together and wants to kind of keep those connections. And like you said, you've got Aaron, who is, you know, he's 
hit that age where he's, uh, well, he's losing his sister. And I thought there was some really touching moments between him and his sister that were really well done. But also, like he, like as you said, he's hitting that age where he's starting to kind of be interested in girls. And I love the way that that's explored. And, and he's voiced so beautifully. Oh. The director voiced it. All. <laughs> that, so I good. loved it. When he bursts through the window and they catch him in the room. <laughs> <laughs> And and then of course mom as you said you know she's always looking at at the other at, at the posies who wants to be them and here she is able to finally come into her own as this power mom essentially uh, and then the dog of course the dog also gets he's gets a little gentleman he's a little he, gentleman well and he gets his eyes to finally <laughs> yes. come together and focus as the phone is coming toward him I was like I can't believe they even were able to get the dog in here to have and Mark not Zuckerberg had his own journey yes. even though he's You're not right, yeah, right? i mean true. he really comes to his yes. truth yeah. and regrets his decisions and right, oversight right. so yeah it's solid i mean do favorites any favorite characters or favorite character moments from any of these people so many <laughs> so many i think you know what summed it up though is when you have the uh and it, it again becomes a pivotal story point of our two defective robots that have been since reprogrammed looking at Frank the dad saying, wait, you've changed your programming. You you're, he's trying to upload Katie's video to, to YubTub or YouTube. Uh, <laughs> right. So the dog video, because the video confuses the robots and they're seeing Frank who they have observed throughout their journey together, not being friendly with technology, not understanding it and him working so hard to, to get technology, right. That that's what's, their pivot that's what's their shift at the end and i thought the whole everything comes down to if we have, as people can change who we are if we can change our programming we can become better people and that machines can figure that out or can observe that to me that was just it tied everything together so well and i i would hate to say that the robots were my favorite but i think that moment captured what i think was so essential for everybody's stories yeah i i agree with that i thought that was really strong i think uh the Anything with the dad, because I think so much that's what I relate to right now. Like so much of his journey is is my journey. And I think it was so perfectly performed by Danny McBride that uh, and and I felt like I felt like I was getting weirdly closer to true Danny McBride. Like he's he was out of his other character that he is. Didn't in he blow so you often. away? Blew me away. I I, I my expectations it. were low. Yeah. And, oh, really? and I was it was, <laughs> Well I like him, but I didn't think he could do this. He plays, he does kind of tend to play kind of a dumb, kind of a hillbilly-ish sort of character. Like that, that's kind of my sense of the characters he type, think he plays. I always go back to his Tropical Thunder uh, (laughs) character when he's the, uh, the one. Sound guy. He's the, he's the one who blows everything up. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Pyrotechnics guy. Yeah. Yeah, and that just kind of uh, you, it feels like you know I mean that it, that became the thing that people knew him for and laugh at, and it's an easy thing to sell. And this I, I think gives us a well. I mean, the guy's got clearly has range, and he has an opportunity to demonstrate it here through I think one of the greatest like nuanced, vulnerable voice performances that I've seen in recent years. I thought he was just terrific, and I really connected uh, with with what he was doing here. I don't want to spoil what's coming, but I am um, here. I go. I'm going to do it. And I apologize. I was so moved. I, I'm going to get choked up just saying it out loud that our protagonist was gay and yeah. that it was so 
subtly, lovingly, respectfully a part of this movie. And I did a somewhat deep dive into it. And it was, it was, sorry, I'm getting very emotional. It was, it was just thrilling. It, and that was for me, like, took a movie that I already loved and just made it like revolutionary. I'm so proud of this film for that. That was one of those moments right there yes. toward the end. And it's just, it's thrown, it's, it's one it's line. Mentioned. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a mentioned about, you know, th- it's, she says, are you and Jade a thing? And will you be bringing her home for Thanksgiving? It's there. It's not anything yes. other than just a normal question. And I'm right there with you. I'm getting choked up too. It was really powerful the way that they just have that in yeah. there as just like, this is, it's normal life. Well, it's, I think it's aspirational too just how easy they made it look right mm-hmm. i mean it it is it was such an easy nonchalant way to to write that character nod into this movie and to to show it to the people who are going to see this movie mm-hmm. uh and make it look so easy like this is this is how you do it this is how this is how you impact right. culture at a larger scale this is how you do it you normalize yes. it and they made yes. it easy and so there there are a couple of other nods throughout the movie um, that once I read about it, I was like, all right, you know, but she says to her brother who's feeling all insecure and like, why do I have a crush on the neighbor girl? And she she's I'm so choked up. She says, don't ever be embarrassed by who you love. Right. Yeah. And she's saying that to a brother mm-hmm. who's has a crush on a girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's saying you get to love who you love. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I might have messed up that quote. I apologize. But. That is another theme of this movie that was so beautifully laid out, subtly laid out. Sony's not doing a marketing campaign about it. They're not going to publicize that this is an LGBTQ film or, you know, groundbreaking because it should just be that some characters are part of that community and some aren't. Yes. You know, it it just it shouldn't have to be a thing. And this felt like a huge leap towards normalizing something that should just be normal and accepted. And I, I just loved it. It was fun to talk about that after the, after the film too, because I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like my, I'm the Memorax guy. Like my head is blown back when I see that line. And I look over at my 18 year old who's looking at me like, huh, kind of smiling and nodding. And I look at my 14 year old who's like, um, has no idea that that's an issue at all. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. completely yes. no idea that that's a thing at all. I thought, oh, yeah. okay, this is how it works. That's great. Yeah, that's right. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, changes getting made. Well, and it with a film that has for its theme, finding your people. And what I loved about that, because that definitely is the theme. We hear it quite a number of times. She wants to find her people. She wants to have that connection. And I also loved how at the end of that, finding your people also includes finding it in your family. And having that family connection that is so powerful, but also in context of this that we're talking about right now, that also is the thing. It's just like, you know, love who you love and and connect with who you connect with. And that's OK. Just it's all part of life and it's how it should be. It was I mean, it's really powerful. <sighs> yeah. Right. I know. It's just love. Wait, is this it's the lovely. first for the film board? Like where everybody's tearing up? Yeah. I know. The funny thing is, so good. we've used that line with with Hannah all throughout high school of frustrations of feeling like an outcast. And we said, when you get to college, you will find your people because 
my wife and I had the same experience. You, when you get to college, you find your community, you find your people that there's maybe one person from high school I'm still in touch with, but uh, you know, handfuls from college. And so we said, you will find your people. And so when they said that line, I was just like, they're in our house. How do they know these things? <laughs> right. These are the exact conversations we've had. And you know, what that means for everybody is different. And that's the thing that, you know, was so great about this is that it is, it's not pushing a specific message. It's about here's human beings and here's how they interact with each other. And here's how we need to do a better job of that within families and all of that. And that's for me, the the best way to go about that because people's barriers and their guards are down and they're going to see things and they're going to connect with this. And as they watch it again and again, they're going to see different things about this. They're going to pick up on things, but really it's about what it means to be a good human being, you know, and that's, you can't ask for more than that. And I can't wait to watch it again tomorrow with my son because he oh, couldn't watch it today. Yeah. Oh, and oh, nice. I, I, like, I'm giddy that I get to experience it again. And like you just said, Steve, pick up on new things. Yeah. And I, I don't remember the last movie I watched and thought, I can't wait to watch it again tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Right. What a, what a, gift sony has given us and and i think oh uh, truly and the fact that sony didn't say no to this stuff that the stuff that's making us emotional is is really powerful but also just there's so much to look at i mean i think the the look and texture the the integration of different styles of animation i mean it just took what i loved about into the spider-verse uh um, you know art direction and made it it just leveled it up in every possible way it was a joy for my eyeballs it didn't even matter what they were saying in in you know many sequences it was just beautiful that's something that that i think i mean i think sony animation they've really excelled in some of this stuff in exploring different types of animation i mean pixar certainly creates beautiful films let's not mm-hmm. be oh, no. uh, you know They're discount chumps. them now that i've seen this pixar's <laughs> chumps yeah <laughs> just yeah the, right yeah oh, pixar the mcdonald's of animation uh, <laughs> exactly. whatever they work in one but, format they don't yes. layer things because right. i mean it's there's the, there's the big in your face things but there's the subtle things of just even when we see Katie as a, you know, when she's in like elementary school and she's got her film and the, the, the class, you know, laughs and all that. And it's you get little like two dimensional, like hand drawn little hearts that break. And it's just those little yeah. things mm-hmm. like out of the comic book. It reminds me of, you know, Scott Pilgrim as well as where you That's just what I wrote yeah. down. you bring in those yeah. things in it because you're in you're not in this world. You know, you're in this other world that either. Katie's narrating, so we we know that her frenetic filmmaking style bleeds over. So we get those title cards and all that fun stuff. But you have to think about when we when we impose the you know the Gibbons face over her dad's face over over Pal's face when she crashes. It's like that's not a film technique you see anywhere really, where we're taking animated character and putting live action video at top of it and then intercutting back and forth. When do you see that in a in a family film, a kid's animated movie. I can't think of, you know, where I see opportunities, but it's, it makes so much sense for this. And that's where I look at the groundbreaking stuff that we talked about when we were in, when we reviewed Spider-Verse a few years ago of, of really pushing the limits and how do you represent an emotion with, with motion, the things that you get out of a comic book where you can do all, you have all these elements present, but then to animate them and bring them to life. And this just pushed it even farther by, you know, because at the end, my wife said, oh yeah, there was, there were photos in there as well. I was like, there, there were, and we went back and I'm like, yeah, cause you've got the, the, uh, 
family. Oh, we've never taken a good photo. He's like that one there. She's like, that's the one that came with the frame. And it's a photo. I don't think it's, right. a, you know, <laughs> and then playing with the fact that the posies as they're going through on their iPad, like the photos, they're not photos of 3D animated family. It's like a 2D illustration. So even in their 3D world, their photos don't look like 3D. It's so many things going on because they pick the right format that makes the most sense for what they're trying to communicate. I think that's something that, I mean, just I want to talk about Lord and Miller for a quick second. I mean, this is Phil Lord and and, uh, and Christopher Miller, who are these, they're, they came onto the animation scene with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which I think is just a brilliant, brilliant film. 2009, they directed that, co-directed it. And then, I mean, they, they dipped into live action with 21 Jump Street, but then, I mean, they've still directed some some animated films like the Lego movie, but they've been producing a lot of stuff, including Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the, the Lego movies, which again, it's kind of that stop motion Lego animation that they're doing. And now all of this, and, and I feel like they are constantly finding ways to explore animation in different ways and do things, do these techniques that you're getting that you don't always see. Like you're, you're never going to see, I mean, you know, I'll take a step back and say, okay, Walt Disney was doing like live action and animation in films way long ago. But still, when you see stuff like that happen suddenly in the Lego movie in such a powerful way that hits you to the core, it's like, what what did they just do here? How did they figure out a way to kind of turn this whole movie into something completely different? And that's what I, I think that they're doing here. They're finding another way to use animation in and explore it in so many different ways that it's not just the same old same old like you're really getting something unique and that's what i love about what's what's happening here it's really interesting to listen to rianda talk about that experience because he 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 talks about the animators that we inherited a lot of people who who came to us from spider-verse and he talks about them as if they were broken on spider-verse and came as just these explosive animating machines that kept saying things like what else have you got like they're just <laughs> drooling and frothing at the mouth like yeah we did that on spider what do you want now <laughs> just broken. I, I just love that image uh of uh, that that allowed him to just really put in these new directions and he referred to Lord Miller as his rich uncles because they came on and they were just like you know they have a, they have all of the story instinct he says just to the nth degree he said I, I just I they push and push and get it se- get seen by as many people as you possibly can and then Sony says okay you can only have these five songs and Lord and Miller will say behind their hands yeah we'll work it out whatever you want like you can have whatever you want and I just love it like the whole atmosphere feels like like of course we would get this movie out of that machine. Of course we would. It was that no other movie could come out of that atmosphere. Just great. And the elements that Steve was talking about, like the little hearts that burst, or you could see characters' thoughts sometimes in a little animation like a rainbow or, or you know, or they used 2D animation to show us some inner monologues for characters, along with title cards and chirons. Which to me is also like, that's how kids are used to seeing everything on the internet, right? Yeah. My son shows me these videos on YouTube and they, that's how it's all done with the filters. There were a lot of the cat oh. filter jokes <laughs> and, the, and like, so the, to us, I think that's a little more revolutionary. To us, it's like, wow, last time we saw this was Spider-Verse. But to our kids, like, that's what they expect now. And these adults know that. And used it 
to a beautiful degree. They just, they maximized the effect of all of these things. Eyes of the pterodactyl. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's filmmaker. So back when I taught high school, you know, there was always stuff about like cultural literacy and what is it, what is a culturally literate, you know, American supposed to know there's lists of dates and people. And I would talk with, you know, my colleagues and say, are you culturally literate in the culture of your students? Because if you don't know who SpongeBob SquarePants is in 1999, 2000, you're not going to connect with your students. You need to know the things that they're talking about. You know, now it's like Minecraft. If you have, you know, kids of a certain age and you're an adult and you want to get on their level, you talk Minecraft with them. This to me is Hollywood speaking to this generation, whatever, I forget what, what they're called, Gen Z or what I don't I don't remember. Okay, boomer. This, this is yes, I know. <laughs> I know. But this is this is Hollywood now speaking to them in their language. They speak to each other with like on YouTube and TikTok as Mandy says, this is what they're used to. For it to come from Hollywood now is I think that's the revolutionary aspect of it of realizing this is the vocabulary that kids are familiar with. This is how we're going to connect with them. This is how we're going to reach them because we could we could do what we've always done and sure a really good story might connect with them, but if we use their own vocab visual vocabulary, we're going to get them. We're, they're going to feel heard and understood in a way that they haven't felt before. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, Emma said she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad we watched this tonight because it, it was just all the, these things she said we we never see this in a movie before, and she just felt so connected to it as a you know eighteen year old something different you know coming to her in in uh, from Netflix and Sony while still throwing in movie references for movies that we all know like oh. They Live and The Burbs and Dawn so of the Dead good. and Kill Bill. It's like I missed all of those. <laughs> heard of any of those but yeah oh, no. i i believe oh, you God. yeah well, well oh, that's there's, what's so fun there's, is, is there's, they are reaching out to everybody yes. it's right. i mean but yes i mean i love that they're really finding a way to connect to the voices of the youth right now and just really make sure that they um have those things that they're used to seeing in the film which is just great well there's there's a couple things that are sort of the in jokes because when katie's doing her her video to submit to college she's got the mount rushmore of directors behind her and it's not the typical ones you would expect because we have lynn ramsey hal ashby greta gerwig and celine Sciamma are the are her mount rushmore and so those are not it's, it's not hitchcock scorsese you know spielberg it's a different thing and then she, uh, she finishes her video and she says, oh, you know, thank you for watching, you know, Dog Cop and, you know, 85 of my other short films. And it's got her sort of YouTube channel screen and it's got all the tiles of all of her shorts. And if you pause it and look, she's got parodies of things like being there. It's going there. She's got a parody of <laughs> Perks of Being a Wallflower and Portrait of a, I think it's Portrait of an Idiot on Fire. Yeah. Uh, all of those things that are in there that, again, represent what are the films that are foundational to and important to this generation? It's not the directors deciding these are the things that inspired us they're keying into what is this generation connecting with and putting it in the in the character of katie and to me that was really really refreshing that it wasn't the same old standards that i always get to see uh it was that aspect of it was really really refreshing well they demonstrated that our our protagonist loves movies like yes. they they demonstrated authentically with with those choices i think it was so smart and i hope the sequel is dog cop yeah, I could watch a lot more of Dog, Dog Cop. Cop. And even though yeah. the final episode of Dog Cop that we see is so on the nose, like yeah. it was such a lovely 
they were like, look how on the nose and cheesy this will be that like she wrote a movie about her and her dad and they're, you know, and it tonally was perfect. Tonally, they just nailed it, even though it could have been an eye rolly moment. But uh, also just the dog cops hilarious. Was that they? there was a real sock, right? Is that was a, a photo real sock? That was not an animated sock, right? No, it was animated. It was, it was an animated, animated sock. I, I thought it was it, animated. I, I thought they animated a face onto a real sock. Oh, I don't know. I, it comes. It happened so fast. Yes. I just hope they announced dog cop coming this fall on Netflix. That's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Watch the hell out of that. <laughs> well, and I loved just speaking of the dog, just the fact that she straps him to the hood of the car <laughs> as the tool to confuse the robots because they just can't figure out. They can't compute. When they're looking at it, dog that was pig genius. loaf of bread. Oh, <laughs> dog pig, dog pig. That was great. And you know, I, you know, my wife's moment that she, I mean, she burst out laughing. I have not heard her laugh so hard in a movie. I don't even know the last time. It was when Pal is talking to Katie, trying to say, give me one good reason why I should keep you all alive, something like that. And Katie's giving this really honest answer. And this is something that I noticed in, in Mike Rianda's short films. He does a great use of building the music and then allowing it to be a hard cut to something immediately after to play the comedy of it. And we have the music building as Katie's telling the story. And then it's a hard cut to Pal in sleep mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, she's just snoozing <laughs> through the whole thing. And I mean, it's just like, that's another great use of the comedy. It was just, I mean, it's so funny and they they just consistently use it. The hard cuts are frequent and we've all, I'm sure, written them and made them in our projects and we've all seen them a million times, you know, well, that would never happen. Boom. And there it is happening. Every one of them made me laugh in this movie. And there are a lot of them and how they continually made me laugh was a mystery to me because apparently I'm terribly cynical and I'm over it, but. But it's smart storytelling. They were just, it's they, these are smart comedy writers who elevated, who get you attached to all these characters right away in very strong connections. And then they find ways to play that. And I think that's just great. Pete, I wanted to bring up a point. You were bringing up the the look of the film a little bit and kind of the animation. And, and, and we were talking about kind of the style and how they were playing with all of it. But I have to just, go back to the idea that just the way that they're animating now, like this CG animation where it looks like this watercolor, like I I found myself constantly mesmerized staring at people's clothing because I'm like, it just, it looks like they've painted like every frame of this. I mean, it's, it's stunning what they're doing now with CG. And I know some of that came, like they were adapting it from kind of the, the different ways they were playing with animation in Spider-Verse, but it's just, I mean, it was, it was unlike other animated films, just this watercolored look through the whole thing. I mean, is is nuts. You want to like a masterclass in this? Just watch Rick's chin, right? Because Rick is has a beautiful, like two D, beautiful face, and his beard, his scruffle of his beard, right, is is perfectly drawn and illustrated. And if you watch that on his close ups, the way he moves, it's uh. I mean, it's a lenticular postcard of animation wonders. Like, it, I just can't get enough of it. I want that as a screensaver, is just him going back and forth on my screen <laughs> because it feels so texturally satisfying, like viscerally satisfying. Like, I could reach out and touch it and and feel the color. I, it was it was magnificent. I don't know. I can't wait until more. And this is the thing I, I sort of regret about like these the the Netflix releases is we don't have special features yet. Like I'm watching it on my TV. There should be a special features button so I can see how the hell they did this, because I will watch that as many times as I watch the movie. 
uh, it's it's fantastic. I don't think Netflix has started doing any special features on anything. I don't they? think so. No, I mean, Apple TV does it. Uh, yep. Disney Plus is doing it. Netflix occasionally does it as a separate thing. Like for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I think they had a, a, a like a little documentary short that was maybe twenty minutes or so. But it's a did they? Sep- it's a it's not clustered in. It's a separate yeah. title, and that's that's the challenge. Because yes, I would love to see the behind the scenes stuff. I would love to see so much more about the production of this film, and that's the issue we get with Netflix originals if they stay on streaming. What is the outlet to get those things to the audience? And Netflix, I don't see having a mechanism. I know uh, Apple and Amazon. Disney, and, Disney Plus has a whole show, Plus, right? They yes, do whole shows exactly. on their original yes, production. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I watched the went back to watch the trailer as titled Connected. And there's, I mean, it always happens with every movie. There's clips that are in the trailer that aren't in the movie. But I would think with animation, that's far less likely to happen because you're going to, you know, you, you may have an actor improv some lines, but which is the one you're going to fully animate because there's the scene where Aaron comes out of the um, porta potty and in the trailer, it's his dad saying, don't forget to wash your hands. And he's like, I never do. And I'm like, that wasn't in the movie. He came out with his book like I didn't ha- I w- was going to read something. And there's another shot of when the technology goes, you know, revolts of uh, businessmen in in Japan or China sitting on a toilet in the water, blasting him off of the seat and out the window. And I thought I would have remembered that in the movie. So I, I'm really curious to see in this year that it was held up if there was still tweaking and adjustments going on to this, that they had the time and what, what are some of those, those changes? What are some of those scenes? Because there seems like there's so much gold in this movie. I'm, I'm curious to see what, you know, alternate takes any of that stuff. Uh, I want more of this, you know, as much as I can get. Well, Netflix does still release their stuff on physical media. And uh, so my hunch is that they are likely just saving all of this for those people who want to get it on on physical media. Lame. Maybe I'll pick it up and I can tell you all about it one of these days. It's a real treat. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is it's a fantastic movie It's a fantastic conversation about this movie. Uh, Do any of you have any any last thoughts, any other things you wanted to uh, get off your chest before we close this thing up? I just have one thing, and that is uh, Trolls World Tour. I uh, the the movie was I I did not care for the movie, but uh, the McElroy brothers of my brother and brother, my brother, my brother and me and and the Adventure Zone podcast, uh, they did a podcast called The McElroy Brothers Will Be in Trolls 2. And as far as I know, it was a marketing thing for Trolls 2. But what they did was they made it like they they just wanted to be in the movie so badly that they did a podcast <laughs> committing to the fact that they were in it without having permission to be in the movie. And by the end of the podcast, wow. they wrapped it up when they when DreamWorks finally called and said, OK, you can be in the stupid movie. Would you shut up? And, and so they got in the movie and they had <laughs> little parts. And it made me just... It was I was over the moon when I got to the end of the cast and the only unnamed cast member was Griffin McElroy. He actually made it from Trolls World Tour as voice in this movie as well. I don't know what he did, but he is in this movie. So hats off to podcaster Griffin McElroy, (laughs) my brother, my brother. Are you proposing we try to get into Dog Cop? I'm just saying there is there is precedent, Mandy. There is precedent. I'm on board (laughs) wholeheartedly. I I just want to go back. There's, you know, with animation, there's always so many Easter eggs and there's so much 
going on in this that I think I want to just rewatch, like, you know, it as much, like, if I can just frame by frame my way through some of these scenes, because there were so many things that were, I'm like, I don't even know what the bumper stickers are on the back of their car, the stuff in Katie's room. There's, there's so much stuff that I'm looking forward to getting into. And there's some of the things that I don't know if they're Easter eggs or not, but one, one moment that did give this household a chuckle, well, my wife and myself, big chuckle. If you had a computer in the mid nineties, you may have had a screensaver called after dark. And you may know that it's what Pete, you're nodding. What, flying what toasters. Is, flying toasters, right? And we had we had <laughs> oh, we had a little okay. field of we had a little field with toasters hopping around yeah. and they looked very much like those toasters. And I thought, that's a deep cut, because I don't know that many people were called after dark flying toasters. But the, the fact that that was there, I thought, what else are they putting in here that I'm not catching? And so it's entertaining enough to watch multiple times, but I, I'm looking forward to digging in deeper to find all of the animators' Easter eggs and and little things in here on multiple multiple rewatches. Uh, apparently, the triangle square language on the robot screens is translatable, and there is story there. Wow! According translatable to Rianda, by yeah, by what I by, don't know, but he he says in interviews is <laughs> Easter egg. I guess all the language that is the the robot language, the symbols, is a code that you can you can translate. And, really, uh, there is story there that was unsubtitled. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. Don't have time. So more to unpack. Yeah. All right. What about you, Mandy? You know, each week for Mandemic Monday, I feel like I've been very negative and i've sat through god forbid thunder force and a lot of garbage every week that i've that i've really viscerally hated and now i feel like similar to how i feel about like the pandemic the pandemic wrapping up or you know if it's coming to an end at some point i feel reborn i feel this gave me new faith and new hope in movies and humor and talent and i'm over the moon about it. It's, I mean, it's a solid film. I mean, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, when that movie came out, I was so on board with that one. I'm one of the few people who would pick that and put it on over up because it just, it like the comedy, the way the story hit me emotionally, like everything worked so well in that film. And I think that Lord and Miller consistently keep doing this and seeing what Mike Rianda does with them here. I mean, the the heart, the emotion, everything it was just, it was completely solid from from beginning to end. So I loved it, and I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it here on the film board. The Lego movie destroyed me, too, though. I mean, at the end. Yes, like I felt I like that. I mean, it Lego destroyed movie. me yeah, at but the end. Lego movie doesn't have a talking robot named Steve. So <laughs> sure, that's true. That's always got a close place in my heart. That's all You're I can right. say. A talking, a talking monkey, not a talking robot. <laughs> talking right. monkey. Talking monkey robot. Yes, yeah. there we go. All right. Well, let's rank this over on Letterboxd. Uh, We've got uh, out of five stars uh, and a heart. Where would you all land? Mandy, what about you? Four and a half stars and a heart. Okay. Where, where is the, where is the half star fall? I I don't know. I just feel like I can't give it five stars. Why do I feel that way? I don't know. You're just like, I have a thing. You're you're just like me. Yes. Like no. I, this is therapy. I feel like I have me. to be able to because and, and no, this is like this is not judgment because I am I'm with you. Like I feel like okay, I just saw it. Like I'm not going to put out on the first date. Like I just let me watch it again. But I cannot justify why today it's not a five star movie because I freaking loved it. I loved it, and I can't wait to watch it again. Doesn't that yeah. represent the fifth star to you? 
But that, but, but, but yeah. <laughs> this, this is America, Pete, right? I, <laughs> we can all have run. our own opinions. Okay. No, I mean, it was a really, really, really wonderful film. Yeah. 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 It was. So, Pete, you're saying four and a half and a heart also. Screw that. I'm five stars and a heart. Whoa, Andy. look at that. Yeah. Look at that. He just. Uh, so, what are you? Up to you. Well, Steve, what are, where are you uh, in? Well, I just, I posted my review last night. I was at four stars. And so, I might go up to 4.5. I do not. I do not go by Pete's philosophy of all movies start at five stars and they have stars to fall at. They start at three stars and they can either lose or gain on what they do. And this is one that the pace felt really good. I want to see on a second watch how well does it hold up. And it may get to the four and a half or five, but I feel like it's going to take a second watch to get there. Very rarely do I have a five star movie on first watch. And there there's some things. And again, I also am trying to balance out the strong emotional reaction I had to this and say, okay, once I can watch this without just crying every 15 minutes because it's it's grabbing me by the heart, um, can I just look at this as a film and see how well this works? And that may get me there to that four and a half or five. You know, for me, I, I am such an emotional sucker when, I, yes, when I'm when i rating it's movies. It's, it's so stars. easy for me to say five stars because I just love it so oh, much. And even and, five and stars with quibbles. Oh, I've got yeah, quibbles, even, but it's still five quibbles. stars. Well, and that's where I am right now. I have five stars. And the Furbies, I had quibbles with the Furbies. But that's okay. Like, the movie did everything else right. I'm totally okay saying it's five stars and giving it a heart because I just loved it. And it's going to be an easy rewatch. It's going to be yeah. something that I'll probably more frequently rewatch than some other things. Uh, and, you know, I just, I love seeing that they're doing stuff like this and putting it out there. I would love to have seen this on the big screen. I think it would be big and beautiful oh, yes. and, and just, just stunning to look at this animation up there. But as it stands right now i'm thrilled i got to see it and like you mandy i can't wait to see it again okay but quibbles with the furbies sounds like a yiddish expression my family would have used growing up like for, for, when, for when you eat a little too much and you have the quibbles in the furbies i need a shirt now i've got quibbles with the furbies that's amazing that's a shout out to my nana oh, there you go mandy's nana that one's for you uh, all right, everybody. Well, thank you all so much for joining uh, joining me here in the film board this week. Uh, Mandy, Pete, and Steve. Thanks, Andy. Andy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Next week, I will be joined by Jordan Peterson, who is going to be here with Charlie Jewell and Hannah Bookdahl from the Cinema Clash with Charlie and Hannah podcast. We are going to be talking about Guy Ritchie's newest film, Wrath of Man. It doesn't feel right. It's like he wants trucks to get hit. He's not a cop. But if he's not a cop, what is he? A while back, we lost two guards. A civilian, too. There was an investigation. And we still haven't found the scum who did it. You were in an accident. My son. He didn't make it. I need to know who killed my son. The tree has been shook, and it's been shook hard. We've scorched earth. You started by saying you'd do anything. But what I'm hearing is, you think you've done everything. I can see it's going to be a long night. It's got to be an inside job. Two weeks. 
one I wish you could do in 20 years. And I do bear a grudge. Don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. Learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Thanks again, everybody. Meeting adjourned. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grand's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 